If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, hold up your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's turn to James 3 and Proverbs chapter 18. James 3, Proverbs 18. James 3 and verse 2. The Bible says, In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, complete, and able also to bridle the whole body. He goes on talking about how we put bits in the uh, horse's mouth and we control them. And even though the ship is so great and driven with fierce winds, you turn the thing completely around with a relatively small rudder uh, controlled by the helm. I think if he's writing it today, he might have said, the tongue is the steering wheel. You know, it's like the steering wheel in your car or in your truck. Is it true that you can turn your life a different direction with your tongue? Just like you can turn your car a different direction with your steering wheel. Is that really true? Listen to other translations of this in Young's literal. He said, if anyone in word does not stumble, this one's a perfect man. The NIV says, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Can you control your body with your words? He said you could. He said you could. Can you control and change habits, addictions, appetites? Can we really do that? With our words, it's the truth. You may have heard me tell about, I guess it's been 20 some years ago now, the young man that came to me in desperation wanting to quit smoking and said, oh, Brother Keith, I, I, I want to quit, I want to quit, but I just, I can't. I've tried everything in the world and I just can't quit. I've done this and I've been prayed for it and I've had hands laid on me and I've thrown away cigarettes and go back on the roadside and try to find them again. And I just, I, I'm addicted to it. I'm, I'm just, I can't do it. I can't quit. I can't quit. And over about five minutes, I just wanted to reach over there and go, psh, psh, you know, because <laughs> he just kept saying, I can't quit. I can't quit. But I controlled myself and just waited till he got through talking. And uh, I said, will you do something? That I tell you to. He said, well, if I can. I said, oh, you can. He said, what? I said, never say that again. He said, what? Never say what? That you can't quit. He said, but I can't. I can't, I can't Brother Keith. That's the truth. I've tried everything. And, I, and he went on again. He went into this big spill about how he had been through all these regimens and all these prayers and, and had this uh, hands laid on him and this cast out of him and this done and that done and he just he said I just can't what am I going to do I want to quit so bad but I just can't and I said you said it again I said what he said see this is the problem folks are saying things that are absolutely holding them in bondage scripture says you are snared by the words in your mouth and they don't even see it they don't realize it because we live in a negative world. And people are talking like this. All around about us. So it just sounds natural and normal. And folks don't think that it really matters. What they're saying. And yet the Bible says it does. 
in Proverbs 18, if you'd look over there, Proverbs 18 and 20, it says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with what? The fruit or, or the produce, what his mouth produces. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Do you want to be filled? Do you want to have plenty? Do you want to have abundance? Then you got to talk plenty. You got to talk abundance, not lack. Quit talking about what you need and begin to proclaim abundance over every area of your life. So will we have enough? No, we'll have more than enough. <laughs> will we make it? We're not just going to make it. We're going to abound. We're going to flourish. And if you'll get increase and abundance in your mouth, it's just a matter of time till it's in your life. It's in your pocketbook. It's in your accounts. It's in your house. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Whatever you love to talk. And of course, how do we know what you love to talk? Whatever you talk all the time is obviously what you love to talk. And whatever that is, is what you'll have. Whether it be death or whether it be life. Does it matter what we say? How much does it matter? It's a matter of death or life. Life or death. It is. This is not some somebody's exclamation uh, that got excited. This is the written word of God. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That young man that I was referring to, I finally got him to quit saying it and just be quiet for a minute. And I said, this is what you say. When you buy cigarettes, uh, when you open a pack, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. When you pull one out and you light it up, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. In between puffs and drags, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm free. He said, but I'll be smoking, Brother Keith. I said, you're already smoking. <laughs> he said, yeah, but I'd be smoking. I said, yeah, I know. Will you do it? He looked at me like, I don't know. If I... Dude, he didn't say anything. He just kind of looked at me funny. And later on, he told me he thought maybe I was nuts. He... <laughs> later on, he told me that. But I, I said, every time you do anything, it reminds you of smoking. And, and I looked at him again. I actually took him by the hands. I said, never again say you can't quit. Looked him in the eyes, piercingly. And he looked at me and said, uh, okay. If you, I said, no, come on now. I said, you've tried everything else, right? He said, yeah, everything, brother. And he started, I said, no, hush, hush. Hush. <laughs> Tell me what you're going to say. And I, I made him go over it with me two or three times. In the beginning, he stumbled around and he said, Well, I, but I, I'd still be smoking. I said, I know, I know. Forget about that. Will you say it? Thank you, Lord. I am not trying to be, not, maybe we'll be someday. I am free from cigarettes. He said, Well, okay. If you say, I said, Will you do it now? I said, do it right now. Say it for me right now. <laughs> and he stumbled. I finally, I said, that's it. That's it. And I just say that tonight and tomorrow and next night, every time. Well, it's about, I don't know, three or four weeks. And he came back into a service. And I didn't even have to ask. When I saw him come through the door, his face is all lit up. And, he, and he's looking for me. And after the service, he made a beeline to me. He said, guess what, Brother Keith? Guess what? I said, I don't have to guess. He said, I'm free. I'm free. I said, you're really free? He said, I'm free, Brother Keith. I'm telling you, I'm free. I said, tell me what happened. 
He said, I did what you said. He said, it was strange. <laughs> he said, I thought, I thought, but I'm smoking. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm free. I feel like I'm lying. I mean, I'm smoking. I'm saying I'm free and I'm smoking. And <laughs> See, faith is, a, it is sad that faith is a strange concept to Christians. Isn't that, isn't that something? But that, all this is, is faith causes those things that be not as though they were. It decrees it, it calls it, calls it into being. If it was being, you wouldn't need to call it into being. If it was already there, you wouldn't need to call it to come. Huh? That's like your dog's spot. You want him to come. He's out in the woods somewhere behind the house. You don't go out the house and go, spot's not here. Spot's not here. Spot's not. Spot's not. I wish he was. I want to feed him. He may be hungry, but Spot's not here. Why don't you call him? Oh, I don't believe in that. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I just tell the truth. If Spot's not here, I'm not going to say he's here, and I'm not going to call him because he's not here. And we know he's not there. We want him to come, so we got to call him. <laughs> We say, spot here, spot here. Yeah, but spot's not here. That's why you're calling him. Here, spot here, come here. Here, spot, spot here. No, no, I don't believe in that. Well, we don't preach that at our church. We just preach that spot's not. And if spot's not, then he's not. And you can't call him here till he's here. Yeah, but how are you going to get him here? Well, we just have to trust in the Lord somehow. <laughs> it's so simple, you need help to get it confused. But the devil is, is always there to help you get confused with it. And he just calling himself free. And he was calling freedom to him. He was calling deliverance into his very bloodstream and his glands. He said, I did that for night and day and night and day. And you do it. He said, I did it so much till I just, I, I do it without thinking. He said, I'd lay the pack on the nightstand. And I'd go, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. And I'd like, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. This will work with alcohol. It'll work with drugs. It'll work with pornographic addiction. It'll work with shopping addiction. It'll work with overeating. Are you listening? Work with anything. That you've been in bondage to anything. And he said, I was standing on the corner about, I think he said three something weeks or so. And he said, I was, uh, I was puffing on one and just saying it without thinking. Lord, I just want to thank you that I'm free from these cigarettes. He said, it hit me and I just knew I'm free. I don't have to have these. He said, I put it out. He said, I hadn't had another one. He said, I don't want one. He said, I'm free. I know I'm free. He said, I'm free. Glory to God. (laughs) Could it be that simple? (laughs) Well, because of what the Lord has done, it's available to us. Life and death, death and life, is in the power of the tongue. Go with me to Matthew, if you would, and um, 10th chapter. And I'm going to give you four or five verses here quickly. You don't have to turn to all of them. You can... uh, Look at them on the screen. But there is a great, great truth relative to these things that I believe the Lord administered to us today. Let it get in you. It may sound a little 
strange to your ears at first, but don't just look at me. Look at these verses. Look at the word and see if it's true, if it's so or not. Matthew 10 and 32. Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Verse 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now this is sobering. This is serious. But I want you to to notice that what he says varies according to what we say. Does it or not? If we confess him, what does he do? He confesses us, which is what we did. If we deny him, does he still confess us to the Father? No, he does what we did. He denies us. His words concerning us are affected by our words concerning him. This is a truth that hasn't been much embraced by the modern church. I'll make this statement. It's a very strong statement. But I'm going to show it to you multiple ways in the scripture. Your words carry more weight in your life than anybody else's, including God's. And when you hear that, you say, oh, no, brother. Yes, it's a truth. I'm going to say it again. Your words carry more weight. Now, notice this next phrase. Where? Not just, not everywhere. Just in your life. Your words carry more weight in your life. My words carry more weight in my life than anybody else's words, even including God's words. Now that just doesn't sound right to the religious mind. But again, it's because it's religious indoctrination and not the word. Listen to other scripture. Matthew 12:36 12:36 Matthew 12:36 He said I say that every idle word idle means non-working non-producing inactive word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment are all our words supposed to do something all our words supposed to effect And be active and produce results. Boy what a new concept that is. Verse 37. For by whose words? By your words you shall be justified. And by your words you shall be condemned. Not by God's words. By your words. Is that true? By your words. In uh, Luke 19. Luke 19 and 22, he had said, out of your own mouth will I judge you. Out of your own mouth. Go to Hebrews 3, if you would. Hebrews 3. Does what we say concerning him and his words affect what he says? 
about us. People don't like to, they don't want to believe that kind of thing. They think, well, no, 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 God's sovereign. And when he says something, it don't make any difference what you say. What he says is going to come to pass. Not true. Not Bible. <laughs> Not true. I'm going to prove it to you. Conclusively. Are you, you believe the Bible now, right? I'm telling you, what you say carries more weight in your world, in your life, and affects your life more than what anybody else says, even including what the Lord has said about you. Let me just give you an example. If he says, if God says, Jesus has paid the price for your sins, and you are saved, and you are redeemed, and you are the righteousness of God in me. And you say, I don't believe it, I don't accept him, and I'm not. What's going to happen? Will you be saved anyway? No, you will not. Then in that case, didn't your words carry more weight in your life than his? It's not because you're greater than him, it's because he has set it up that way. He has made us Speaking spirits with a completely free will. We can believe and say anything we choose. And because of that, if we say it and allow it, he allows it. For us. In uh, Hebrews 3.1, notice this. He said, uh, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our what? The word profession here is the word for confession. It literally means to speak the same. To speak, when you say confess from scripture meaning, it means to say the same thing, to speak the same thing. And Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our speaking the same thing. That's what he works with in our life. He's the high priest of what? Not begging and pleading. Not groveling. Not your good works that you hold up. What? Of you. Not just saying. What is he able to work with? Us saying the same thing he has said. He's able to do that in our lives. Should we say what he said all the time and nothing else? Will you be tempted to say other things? Oh, yes. We should only say what he said. If he says that he's with us and he protects us and no harm, no plague will come nigh our dwelling, what do we say? The Lord's my refuge. No plague will come nigh my dwelling. What if you say, I don't know what we're going to do. What if something bad happens to us? You know, we're not any better than anybody else. So what happened to them people over there? Dear Lord, we just don't know. Are then you saying the same thing that he said? No. Then what's he going to do in your life? What you said or what he said? Can you see this? Should we say what? If he says, you are clean by the blood of the Lamb. You have been made righteous and holy. 
in Jesus. What do you say? I am clean by no matter how you feel or what you've done or what it looks. I am clean by the blood of the Lamb. I've been made righteous and holy in Him. He meets all my needs. He leads me and guides me in direction. I am His sheep. I know His voice. He orders my steps. He directs my paths. He keeps me and guards me and guides me. He's blessed me with all blessings in spiritual places, heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He always causes me to win in every situation. What if you only said over yourself, only ever said what he said? He is the apostle and high priest of that. To, uh, to watch over that and cause it to come to pass. What if you say, I can't make it, I'm such a numb skull, I'm such an idiot, and I'm such a failure, and I can't do anything, nothing ever works for me. There's somebody else that can watch over those words and has a right to perform them in your life. It's the destroyer. Should we, if we got any smarts about us, not say one word that he could use against us, that he could use to destroy, no matter how we feel, there are times you need to bite your lip and just know I'm not saying that. I don't feel like it ever. My, my flesh is just screaming to say it, but the Lord didn't say that. He didn't say that about me. So I'm not going to say that about me. No matter if I feel that way or not, I'm not going to say it. What did he say? What did he say? He said, I am a child of the Most High God. That he's my very own father. I'm his very own son. And greater is he that's in me than anything or anybody that's against me. And if the Lord is with me, who can be against me? What if, what if that's the only way we ever talk? Not just in church on Sunday morning when the preacher's waving his arms at you. But on Thursday night when you got a bad report. Hmm? By yourself. And, and you'd be tempted to cry and feel sorry and say a bunch of death and say a bunch of negative. But you've learned better and you know better and you bite your lip. And you stand up, and even with tears coming down your cheeks, you say, I don't care. I don't care. None of these things move me. God is with me. He will never leave me. He'll for, never forsake me. I am not alone. He's with me, and I will prevail. And I can do this. I can do anything I need to do through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus is the high priest over that. He has a right to watch over that and affect it and cause that it be brought to pass in your life. Can you say glory to God? Hebrews 4.14. 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, because we do, what should we do in response? Let us hold fast to our profession. What does profession mean? Saying the same. Speaking the same. The same as what he said. Verse 23. Let us hold fast. 
verse 23, uh, excuse me, 10.23, Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Don't change. For he is faithful. <laughs> that pro- what does that mean? He'll do it. If he told you, if he said that over you, he wouldn't have said it if he didn't intend for it to come to pass. But is, does it matter whether we say it or not? And does it matter whether we just say it part of the time and something else part of the time? What do you say? Say it and don't waver. Without, don't, don't waver. Don't say I'm going to make it in the morning and I don't know in the afternoon and I don't think so in the evening. We got to be consistent. We only say the same thing he said. Now, go with me, if you would, to the book of uh, Exodus. Exodus and the uh, 14th chapter and the 10th verse. You'll see this so clearly, so plainly here. Exodus 14, 10. God delivered his chosen people out of Egyptian bondage with the a word to them of bringing them into the land that flowed with milk and honey. Promised land, Canaan land. And I mean, he did some things to get them out of there. Egypt was the mightiest nation on the earth, militarily, financially. I mean, uh, Pharaoh claimed himself to be a god. And I mean, these slave people, they had no remote chance of getting out of the grip of these people or changing their life without God. But he came in there. (laughs) And I mean, after the frogs and the lice and the dark and uh, everything else, I mean, they begged them to leave. And they gave them their best clothes and stuff, their pockets full of money. And so God brought that nation to its knees and delivered his people. He brought them out with a mighty hand. Think about it. Slaves. And they got $3,000 suits on. The Bible said he brought them out with silver and gold. And there wasn't one feeble person among their tribe. They're healthy. They're wealthy. And they're on their way to Canaan's land. Sound like us. <laughs> it's a type of us. <laughs> but they had a negative disposition. And at every juncture where things didn't go right for them, they talked failure and defeat and death every time. No matter how many miracles they saw, anytime something came up that wasn't just right, this was their phrase. We're all going to die out here. Listen to some of it. 14 and uh, 10. When Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and they cried out, and they said, because, to Moses, it's because there were no graves in Egypt, that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of uh, Egypt? 
Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Huh? You want to be somebody's property? They work you in the ground. You don't own the rags on your back. And this is what your children and children's children have to look forward to? Not even thankful. They're free men with money in their pockets. It's just a little short trip across the desert to Canaan's land. But what do they say? Negative. Somebody say negative. 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 Why assume the worst? What benefit, what, what benefit is that? Why jump to the conclusions? You know, uh, we, we, we've had to learn this, e- even in the church and dealing with folks. People call up and say something happened. And, and they, they assume the worst. And they try, you know, you, you think, man, there's been a train wreck and half the folks are dead. And you come to find out, it's, it's hardly anything. A little bit, a lot of stuff that they were scared was going to happen, it never happened. Don't assume the worst. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't start prophesying doom and gloom. And yet, when they were pressed, and here comes the Egyptians, what'd they say? We're all going to die out here. We're all going to die out here. We're all going to die out here. You like to hear that? No. I don't either. <laughs> and uh, they just kept on saying it. They said, it's because we, there were no graves in Egypt. You brought us out here to die in the wilderness? Didn't we tell you this? We told you in Egypt. We said, leave us alone. Verse 12. We'll serve the Egyptians. Hadn't it been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness? But God delivered them in his mercy. Horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. They came out victorious. Another miracle. You think after enough miracles, folks will begin to be positive and think, well, he might do another miracle this time. But not these people. Exodus 16 and 2. Again, they needing something to drink, needing something to, to eat. And the whole congregation of children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Verse 3. And the children of Israel said to them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Wish we'd have just died over there. When we sat by the flesh pots and we ate bread to the full. Other scriptures said we had cucumbers. Cucumbers. Watermelons. Good times. Huh? You are being beat. Like an animal, forced to work and make bricks and not given straw. You're the people's slaves. And you're talking about cucumbers? How do you get that mixed up in your thinking? Unthankfulness and unbelief and fear darkens your understanding. It makes it dumbs you down to where you don't even realize what's going on. They're just a few steps away from having, if they want a hundred acres of cucumbers. Their own orchard. They can have a cucumber plant. They can have a pickle factory if they want one. And they ain't got enough sense to know they're just days away from a pickle factory. (laughs) 
They want to go back to Egypt. Listen to me, friends. Your blessing is not back. No, you don't want to go back. You don't. You can't go back. You shouldn't want to go back. That's not where your blessing is. That's not where your future is. They said, For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We're all going to die out here. I mean, every time something came up, a little uncomfortable, we're all going to die out here. Water supplies ran low. We're all going to die out here. Food got a little short. We're all going to die out here. Somebody rattled a sword and act like they might attack them. We're all going to die out here. We're all going to die. We're all going to die out here. And they get mad at Moses and Aaron. Why did you bring us out here? Why didn't you leave us back in Egypt? We're all going to die out here. <laughs> Numbers 13. Numbers 13, 25. They sent the spies into the land. They got to the border finally. And how many know? By the grace of God. This bunch making it to the border of Canaan's land. By the grace and great, great mercy of the Most High God. He he wants them to get it. He, he did it for them. He prepared it for them. That's what this is all about. He brought them out so he could take them in. And I'm sure he keeps thinking, well, they'll learn. Surely it's been, you know, all these miracles and this is the 89th time that I've done a spectacular thing for them. Surely they begin to catch on and go, well, maybe he'll do it. Number 90. But no. They picked out individuals from each tribe and they sent them in to spy out, scope out the land. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel. They brought back word to them and the congregation, they showed them the fruit of the land. 27. They told them, we came to the land where you sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. You know, they had one example was a bunch of grapes so big, one bunch, Two men had to carry it on a pole. When the Lord says it's good. It's good. (laughs) 28. Now let's just stop right here. Now they they, they go talk about. How strong the people are. And how they can't get in. Why wouldn't you think though. If the Lord tells you it's good. You never seen it. And you find it. And it's just like he said. Everything else that he said. Has been just like that. Why wouldn't you think. If he told you you can take it. Why wouldn't that be true too. But they said. Nevertheless. You know, I know there's this big bunch of grapes here, and it's, it's amazing, it's, it's wonderful, but, but, nevertheless, somebody say negative, negative. negative. The people are strong that dwell in the land. Well, what about your God? The people, and the cities are walled, and very great. We saw children of Anak, the giants, and I saw this one big dude. I think he was 10 foot tall. And by the time they told the story four more times, he's 15 foot tall. I tell you what, man, this dude, he'd swat 20 of us like we were nothing. And verse 29, the Malachites are in the south, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, they're in the mountains. Canaanites are by the sea. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're big and they're bad and they're killing machines. (laughs) 30. 
Caleb stilled the people before Moses. He said, shut up. Shh. Hush. Sit down. Hush. Listen to me. Let's go up right now and take this thing. Come on, are y'all with me or not? This actually happened. This is not a fairy tale. This happened. Everybody's crying and hollering. And Caleb said, hush, hush, shush. I got something to say. Shush. They finally got quiet looking at him like, what? You see a giant too? He said, listen to me. Let you and me. Let's us. Let's go get this. Let's go take this right now. Let's go get it because we are well able to overcome it. We can do this thing. We can do this. Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able. Oh, do you hear these words? What did he say? We are well able. What did they say? We are not able. Let me ask you again. Whose words carry more weight? In your life than anybody else's. Even including God's. Your words. What did he say? We are well able. We can do this. Let's go get it. What did they say? We are not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than us. If you say so. Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report. Of the land. Which they searched into the children of Israel. And they said the land through which we have gone to search it. It's a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it. Are men of great stature. So this totally in their minds eclipses. What God said. About it being a good land. And about it being their land. They have totally forgotten it. And are they saying the same thing the Lord says? Not at all. They have changed it. And they're saying something else. Verse, the next verse. We saw the giants, the sons of Anak. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. How do they know what they look like to them? They didn't know. So, oh man, they look at us and laugh. They're not scared of us. They'll run over us like nothing. Do you remember that when... Um, uh, the, the next generation finally went in. They got to Jericho and they got to, uh, what's her name's house? Rahab the harlot. And they got in there and they found out they were all scared of them. The whole but They said the hearts of all those folks are melting because of you. Why? Because the Lord had put the fear of God in them. But here they're saying, oh no, we're just like nothing in their eyes. And they were wrong. They were wrong. Keep Keep going. Was the next chapter we're about to. And all the congregation lifted up their voice. And they cried. And the people wept. That night. They cried. Just like when you really believe. You're excited. When you really doubt. You cry. Verse 2. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses. And against Aaron. The whole congregation. And they said what? What'd they say? What'd they say? Wish we'd have died in Egypt. What do they, they got dying on the brain. I wish God, or would God we'd have died in the wilderness. Now, they were scared of dying in the wilderness. They didn't die in Egypt. They didn't die in the wilderness. And now they say we're going to die here in Canaan's land. 
I wish we'd have just died in the wilderness. Or better yet, we could have died in Egypt. Dying on the brain. Verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us to this land? Why? Have you ever heard that? Why, God, why? Why did you do this to me? Why did you put this off on me? Why have I got to deal with all this? We're going to fall by the sword. Our wives and our children, they're going to take them for captives and slaves. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? Keep going. They said, let's make us a captain. And let's go back to Egypt. Verse 5. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Keep going. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. You know, God delivers from these negative folks. You hear this all the time. It's vexing. It's vexing. Their th- what, what, what did Caleb say? What's the last thing we heard him say? Come on, let's go. And the whole bunch has shut down on him now and cried all night and talked about dying all night and they've made up their minds. And then they're tearing their clothes. In verse 7, they spoke to the company and they said, the land that we passed through to search it, you saw it? It's an exceeding good land. It's just what the Lord told us. Verse 8. And the Lord delight in us. He will bring us into this land and give it to us. He'll do it. A land that flows with milk and honey. Come on, friend. Do you hear how faith talks and how it thinks? It's never changed. It, just the way it is was then, the way it is right now. Same, same thing. Verse 9. Only rebel not against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. They are bread for us. We might say today, piece of cake. We can take these guys. Why? Not because we're so bad. Their protection is gone. Their defense is gone from them. And the Lord is with us. He's with us. Don't be afraid of these guys. Verse 10. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared. The tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. Just like unbelief and negativism vexes faith people. Faith vexes unbelievers. Because it shows up their unbelief and fear. People that are have yielded to death and fear and doubt. They don't want to hear you popping in there with your bright smiley face. Talking about what God's going to do. And now it irritates, makes them want to look for a rock. It did with these guys. It did with Jesus. It did with Paul. It's the same with you. Unbelief doesn't want to hear faith talk. And faith doesn't want to hear unbelief talk. Then the Bible says, what fellowship communion does believers have with unbelievers? None. Keep going. The Lord said, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? It's been a long time. There's been all kind of miracles. There's been thing after thing happened. And he said, for all the signs which I have showed among them, what's it going to take? To get these people to believe. Verse 12. I'll smite them with a pestilence. 
Disinherit them, make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. Keep going. Moses pled the case. For time's sake, just keep going. Verse 14. And uh, 15. He asked them. 16. To pardon. Keep going. Verse 17. Let your power be great. Verse 18. The Lord's long-suffering. He's asking him to forgive. Verse 19. Pardon the iniquity of this people according to your great mercy. And verse 20, what a great verse. The Lord said, I have pardoned. Just like that. He just asked him to. He said, I do. I pardon them. According to what? According to what you said. According to what you asked me. Verse 21. But as truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Keep going. Because all those men that have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, verse 23, surely they shall not see the land which I swore unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. Verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> And he has followed me fully. Him I'm going to bring into the land where he went and his seed shall possess it. He's going to come on in. Verse 25. He told him what to do. Verse 26. 27. And 28. He said you say to these people as truly as I live says the Lord As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. What's going to happen in their life? What he said over them? Uh Uh-uh. What they said. Another translation says it like this. What you have, Amplified says, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. The NRSV says, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. I'm going to do in your life what I heard you say. Is this really how it works? You know the rest of the story. That whole generation wandered around out there in that dry, desolate place for 40 years until every one of them died. They did die in the wilderness. Did that happen because it was the will of God or the plan of God or that he said that's what would happen to me? No. No. Did they alter and change the plan of God for their life? Did they? Listen to this. Uh, From the beginning in Genesis when God spoke to Abram and called him in Genesis 12:7, he said, Unto your seed I'll give this land. Genesis 15:7, he said, I'm going to give you and your seed this land to inherit it. And then in Exodus 3, when he was bringing them out of Egyptian bondage, he said this. He said, I've heard their groanings, I've heard their prayers. I am come down, Exodus 3:8, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them into the wilderness so they can die there. No, to do what? 
bring them out of that land unto a good land and a large a land that flows with milk and honey. What was the plan of God? For them to go into the promised land and enjoy what he had selected and prepared, made ready for them. Did any of that generation enjoy it? None of them except Caleb and John. Did they die out in the wilderness because it was the mysterious plan of God? No. It wasn't the will of God. It wasn't what God said over them. What was the problem? The Lord could not get them to agree with him. He could not get them to say what he was saying. And so in the end, he did not what he said. He did what they said in their lives. Is this a sobering thought? Is it really this way? We're reading scriptures. He said, I'm going to do what you said. Go back to Numbers, or maybe you're still there. Actually, no, time's sake. Go to Joshua 14. Joshua 14. Man, this makes me want to shout this part right here we're getting to. Joshua, what did I say? And, And did I say six? I believe that's right. Put it up and let's see. The children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him. Now this 40 years after what we just read in Numbers. Let's just stop right here. Everybody else in that whole generation is dead and gone. Except for him and Joshua and the young people. But now, even though nobody's words carry more weight in your life than yours, if you're involved with a lot of other people in an environment or situation, their words and unbelief can hinder you and delay you, not stop you. But for 40 years, they rumbled around out in the desert with this Death talking, negative, grumbling, griping bunch. And through all those years, they'd look across the campfire at night at each other and say, I'm going in. Okay, what these other people do, God told me I'm going in and I'm going in. You heard what Moses told us. He said, all of them are going to die except. He said, me and you. Joshua said, you got that right. Me and you. We're going in. And they would talk to each other about the promised land. He said, man, you remember that valley over there where all those vineyards were? He said, Joshua said, I'm I'm getting that. And Caleb said, man, you remember that mountain over there on the side had that beautiful stream? I'm getting that mountain. I'm going to name it right now. It's Caleb's Mountain. Caleb Mountain. My, my. He said, yes, Caleb Mountain. And they taught each other faith for 40 years out in that dry, desolate place with unbelief all around them. And now, 40 years later, put it back up. Verse 7, 
Caleb said, 40 years old was I when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. I brought him word again as it was in my heart. What was in his heart? The Bible said he had another spirit. What was his word? Let's go right now. Let's take this thing. We are well able. Didn't he say? Verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Now we've been talking about the power of words. Think about the effect of your words on other people. See, they came back and these people were wanting to hear the good report of the land. And when they heard all these guys talk, they, their hearts melted and they gave up the power of words and what you hear. He said, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9. And Moses swore on that day and he said, surely the land wherein your feet, talking to Caleb, have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. You didn't quit. You didn't join in with the rest of them. Whoo! <laughs> Verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. That don't mean as much to us as it does to you. You didn't rummage around out there with the scorpions and snakes for 40 years with that griping, unbelieving bunch like he did. He said, the Lord has kept me alive. I'm here. They're all dead. I'm alive these 40 and 5 years. Ever since the Lord spoke that word to Moses while the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness. And I'm today. Today's my birthday. And I'm 85 Years old. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't. Verse 11. And yet. I am as strong this day. As I was in the day. That Moses sent me. 45 years ago. I'm as good a man right now. As I was then. My strength now to go out and fight. To go out and to come. Man the Lord held him up. But so, well, it's not really fair if he had to, him and Joshua had to put up and wait on that bunch for uh, 45 years. Yeah, but the Lord compensated him by keeping him as strong as he was when he was 40. He sustained, he just kind of suspended him and kept him for decades. And verse 12, now therefore... It took me 45 years to get here, but give me this mountain whereof the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakims were there and the cities were great and fenced. I want the big boys. (laughs) The ones everybody was so scared of and the walls, that's mine. Give me the big boys. That's mine. That's mine. 85. 85. Give them to me. And the Lord is with me and I shall be able. I'll do it. You watch and see. I will drive them out. Just like the Lord told me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Verse 13. And Joshua blessed him. 
He said, you go do it, boy. (laughs) Be blessed. Be strong. Go take it. Go do it. It's yours. They're drawing up the paperwork. And he gave to Caleb. Hebron. For an inheritance. A giant mountain. Verse 14. Hebron therefore became. The inheritance of Caleb. To this day. Why? It happened. It became theirs. For all those generations. Everybody knew. It's Caleb mountain. Why? Because he wholly. Followed the Lord. God of Israel. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Put it up. 2 Corinthians 4.13. A wonderful thing it says. We. Have what? We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Does this do anything for you, saints? Does this? Are we reading the Bible? Is this true? Absolutely true. This is not a fairy tale, not just some story. This is historically accurate, correct, and the anointed Word of God. And just like faith worked then, it works that way now. And the very same spirit of faith that sustained Caleb and Joshua and kept a twinkle in their eye looking across those campfires for 45 years and that caused him to stand up at age 85 and say, give me my mountain is in you. It's in you. It's in you. That same spirit is in you and in me. It's in me. And we've been taking our steps. That's what I said when I got to Branson. Give me that place. (laughs) Now we're saying, give me Sarasota. (laughs) Let's take this. Let's take that. Is there something for you and I and for us to possess and to take in these days? Is the Lord, no matter what kind of giants there are, no matter what kind of walls, is the Lord well able? To bring us in. And I don't care if it costs millions. If it costs billions. It doesn't make any difference. God is more than enough. And he has said some amazing things over us in his word. And he said some wonderful things by his spirit. Over us. And it is essential. It is imperative. That we say what he said. Over ourselves. And only that. And if we will, he is the apostle and high priest of our saying that same thing and has every right to move heaven and earth to cause it to come to pass. Can you say glory to God? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Give praise to God. Give praise to the Lord your God. Oh, praise you. Oh, praise you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge 
by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.